This is Sexy Funny Raw, where we chat all about the world of sex, from dating and relationships all the way to the adult industry itself. I'm Sylvia Sage, and this is my Pornspective, answering all the questions you weren't even brave enough to ask Google. Get ready, because Sexy Funny Raw starts now. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Funny Raw. I am your host, Sylvia Sage, and join with me in studio, as always, is Dr. Eddie giving us his public health perspective. And I am very honored to have our guest in studio this month. I almost said this week, uh, Miss Angeline Miranda. Hello. Hi. Angeline is an actor, creator, and sex educator currently enrolled in the Sexual Health Alliance's certification program. She believes that sex, like um, education, shouldn't be dry and teaches through a lens of approachable comedy, which I feel like we have so much in common when we say that, <laughs> say it like that, because that's exactly what it. we're trying to do here. Yeah. You know, just make sex a topical conversation starter, make it funny, make it relatable. Like, I love the message that you are putting out into this world. So I think laughter takes out some of like the um, weight and the yes. fear of it, right? It makes it feel a little bit more human and relatable. 110%. And I, I'm so thankful because uh, a guest we've had on previous, Ray Renaga, Yes. Uh, Mr. Ray Ray, as a good friend of mine, he is the one who actually uh, linked the two of us up. And so I could not be more grateful. Um, and I'm so excited to have you here. Thank so you. Thank you for coming. So this week, I wanted to get into something a little bit more serious. So we are talking mental health. I feel like especially around the holidays, it's definitely something we want to address because I feel like during the holidays, it's something people deal with more than other times of the year, perhaps. Maybe you're dealing with family or the lack thereof. And I want to talk about it. And I want to talk about the difference between mental health and mental illness and how sometimes they can coincide and not coincide. Uh, Dr. Eddie, can you give us a little bit more of the intel? Absolutely. Um, I think probably the biggest distinction between the two is one is uh, diagnosable. So mental illness needs to be diagnosed. Right. Whereas mental health is really how we function, live, play, uh, all of those things. Uh, at like normal relationship things. More depression, anxiety based. Well, those can also be diagnosable, mm -hmm. right? And so there is some uh, overlap between the two and that kind of creates a little bit of stigma when okay. we're talking about mental health. Um, but the definition of public health actually includes mental health as a variable. Mm -hmm. And it's only recently that we've started to really talk about mental health in any any substantial capacity from the day to day. Right. Um, and so in the holidays, you're often uh, impacted by a variety of different factors, such yes. as like family and triggers and mm -hmm. schedules and time and expectations. And mm -hmm. it's all of those things together that can certainly impact our mental health. Yes. Uh, and so sometimes mental illness, uh, can you can also have good mental health while you have mental illness and mm -hmm. then vice versa. You can have uh, great mental health and have a mental illness. I think I just said the same thing. Yes. <laughs> but you know what I liked about that is you also said that, so you can be 
experiencing different things at once. So like I generally feel happy in my life right now. However, I just had a discussion with my mother this morning to where I know that this situation is not going to be good and I'm going to have to directly address this situation. So I am very stressed out about that situation. But as a whole, I don't feel upset. I don't feel depressed. But I know, again, I'm going to have to dive into some... um, very depressive and dark issues with my mother when I leave here and um, that is also setting me into my own like mental kind of fuckery you know Uh, because again I don't want to be sad today but uh, I was actually in a group message between all of my family and I didn't realize that and I said something to my cousin that I didn't think my mother would be hearing and then my mother did hear it and her text to me was let me call you when I get off work and I was like oh lord who knew we were on a group chat should have looked that one over (laughs) should have looked at everybody addressed in that text message before I sent it out but uh, it's, it's all you can do you know so it's actually pretty common. I would say that one in five uh, people in the U.S. Uh, go through um, experience, experience some sort of mental health issue yeah. along the way from year to year. And so the numbers are quite high. And I feel like loneliness is definitely one of those top things during the holidays because not everyone has the family around. Do you do you celebrate with family? Or are you do, I are do. you a friends giving type Both, person? And okay. I'm very blessed in the social department. Yeah, um, good. My family lives in San Francisco area, which is not too far from yes, Los Angeles. Close. So pretty easy to do commutes for holidays. And yeah. then I have been in LA for a little over a decade now. Oh, amazing! Um, so I have a beautiful support system down here. Well, I've been here almost eight years, and I have like. Four friends. So you're doing. You're Girl, doing great. Yeah, you're doing so good. Uh, no, I love that. And do you ever feel like you're experiencing any like extra anxiety or extra anything through the holidays? Yeah, I love the holidays, but I think sometimes then that adds the pressure, right? Of like, this is supposed to be a happy time of year, and uh, it doesn't always feel that way, especially day to day. Your mood shift, we're Mm. constantly changing from minute to minute, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, a, I think, a desire and a pressure that like, oh, we should just be happy, there's Christmas lights. (laughs) Yes. Do you have, uh, now, I don't know your relationship with your family, is it super close, or are you, okay, good. So you are one of the lucky ones. You're very blessed (laughs) in that department. There weird all of them are weird which is perfect that's great yeah. weirdness is good i feel like when you're trying not to be weird that's when you really that you go down a scary hole you know when just trying to like uh, land in the same way as all the other chips have landed that's what scares me yeah um but let's let's take a moment because i do want to relate this into your sexuality because mental health um being free and uh, open with your sexuality and having the sex is something that can really help with your mental health. The two are directly correlated to each other, but also can be directly correlated in the opposite direction and be very bad for your mental health. So let's get further into that. Dr. Eddie, how do you think that uh, this directly affects men? Oh, gosh, it it affects men in a variety of different ways. Um, Well, masculinity also affects men in a variety of different ways Mm -hmm. because these aren't things that uh, we're typically raised to discuss. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd say uh, sexually, immediately, you can kind of connect one to the other is uh, the impact of anxiety on erectile dysfunction. Yes. Uh, And so some of those expectations of having to perform and not being able to perform um, create anxiety on top of anxiety for Mm -hmm. some men. And because of that, um, it perpetuates like a, a negative feeling that can right. really go in a, in a really bad direction. And the other expectations of sex are, I just having this conversation with a friend last night is um, he 
he and I had been sexual together in the past, but no longer because I am not um, usually satisfied. And that was his complaint is you're not satisfied with our, our sex. And I said, I am satisfied with, with you and your your penis. Uh, I think a lot of men are, are afraid that they have to have this 12-inch penis because I'm a, a porn actress. Uh, not the case at all. I love the size of this person's penis. My um, not being fulfilled came from the lack of time. Uh, we would be having sex because I wanted the sex for much longer than he was wanting to perform. Um, so I feel like there are so many expectations from the dick size to how long you're going to be performing to if you can get it up, if there's erectile um, dysfunction issues going on. All of this leads to so much more stress Um but on the opposite end, if you can have the happy, healthy, commutative um, sex with a partner, you can also have free mental health, you know, and the kind of like the the veil of the blanket is lifted and things in your life seem much happier because happy, a happy sex life kind of feel like leads to a happy mental health place. Am I completely wrong in saying that? <laughs> no. Um, so I think when we're talking about all of this, it's helpful to look at sex as being something that's part of a bio, psycho, socio, cultural framework. Yes. So all of these things contribute to how we experience sexuality within ourselves and to each other. And that means that like the chemistry of our body and the function of our body as we age, depending on our health, is uh, has an impact on the way that we are performing. Mm -hmm. I would say the way that we are connecting and engaging. Yes. Um, and then psychologically, like where are you at? Is your mental health in a good place? Because the hormones and things like that also have an impact on the biology. Mm -hmm. Are you getting aroused? Is there enough blood flow to the genitals to allow that to happen? Mm -hmm. And then like socially and culturally, the way that we define things like masculinity, femininity, mm -hmm. um, like our own sexuality in terms of the spectrum and like the Kinsey scale, all of those things also impact how we are connecting to other people. Oh, absolutely. And it's how even how we view ourselves, you know, whatever insecurities you may be feeling about yourself or about your body or about anything. Uh, I certainly worry about my aging and my aging body and being with different people. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to see that things aren't as tight as they once were, you know, so even people who I'm being built up on a regular basis on social media of people just lining up telling me I'm beautiful and meanwhile I'm still in this fuckery of my own brain where I can't even you know I can't walk out of a room with my butt showing to you I have to walk out backwards because I'm so <laughs> worried about how you're going to view my ass um, that's my biggest insecurity <laughs> so I think all of that kind of builds in but um, the like Talking with your partner and having the communication before and what you're both looking for in the sex and in the aftercare, the after conversation of sex, I feel like is also so important of like how you both felt during that and uh, how, you know, maybe you want to change things the next time to make each other more comfortable getting to that good mental health place with your sex and with your partner can be a very, very beautiful thing. But I do want to really um, instate we are obviously not psychiatrists. If you are going through something uh, mentally, uh, we are going to provide you with a hotline and numbers that you can call um, uh, in suicide crisis or emotional distress. Please reach out to other people um, and also know that you're not alone. Um, so many people are going through this. I know I've personally suffered with my own um, mental illness um, all through my 20s, really. I was a hugely suicidal um, human and was even um, forced by the government of fine Missouri uh, to uh, 
have a few weeks stay in their mental ward um, <laughs> because um, attempting suicide is illegal. So if you do not succeed, you are in trouble. So <laughs> um, reach out to other people. You are definitely not alone. I don't mean to laugh at suicide, but I do want you to know that you are you are certainly not alone. And those feelings are true and they are valid. And um, we did mention in, in the in the paperwork here, Dr. Eddie, how sometimes mental illness can feel like an actual not mental illness, I'm sorry, um, uh, mental health concerns can actually feel like an actual illness. and Like a physical like manifestation. Like a physical, physical illness. And I know for a fact, at least how I felt, mine was always I wanted to um, kill myself so I could show other people how bad I was hurting because that was the only way they were going to feel my pain was to take my own life because then they would be sad I was gone and then they would feel how I felt inside because I just didn't know how to um, relay it to anyone I didn't know how to tell them how bad I actually felt you know I could sleep in bed for a few days but you know at the end of the day I'm still the person who straps on a smile and I always felt that that's that was what I wanted to do to to show people you know so I do understand that it's like it's a feeling so deep inside of you and you feel so so very helpless and I just I don't ever want anyone to feel that way. I never want you to feel like you're alone. There's always someone you can reach out to. Um, and I honestly feel like sometimes strangers are better, you know? Well, thank goodness you were able to to get some help and, and make those changes and now make all of these positive changes in your life. And mm-hmm. I think that's really the hurdle for a lot of people is one, uh, you guys had mentioned earlier about support systems and not everybody's fortunate enough to have a strong yes. support system. Mm-hmm. And that could be one person or it could be a family or it could be a variety of people. And not to always bring up men's, the men's no, side yeah. of stuff, but we men want that. also uh, have a really hard time making friends as we get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, loneliness is a, a huge, huge factor. And so all of these things kind of compound to to magnify some of the impacts of these feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's really important to to find someone that you can talk to, whoever yeah. that is. And you mentioned strangers are sometimes easier, and that's certainly the case for mm-hmm. a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? It's not unusual to uh, to want to find someone that's not embedded in your social circle, yes. uh, because then you could tell them things you wouldn't otherwise be able yes. to. And so there's a lot of strength in that as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's different for everybody, and everybody has to figure out what's going to work for them and mm-hmm. what's going to be the most efficient or effective. But I think ultimately... What we have to like kind of stress for everybody is that we all need to talk to somebody. Yeah. Right. And so talking to someone, anyone could make all the difference uh, in someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think that there have been studies about um, the difference in the nature of like, and this is a very like heteronormative and cisgender way to talk about it, but um, like male, male or female, female relationships Mm. in which uh, there's like it's called what is it face to face versus shoulder to shoulder so there's a suggestion that men uh, bond shoulder to shoulder while doing an activity while watching basketball or at a bar or whatever and this doesn't always actually facilitate like emotionally fulfilling conversations and uh, Mm -hmm. ways in which they actually get to know each other on a deeper level whereas women tend to do uh, activities like brunch yeah very stereotypical but like there is a sense of 
they are engaging in uh, discussions about their life and like where they're at. And I think that that mm-hmm. can impact the the level yeah. of our friendships and whether or not we feel safe and heard to confide things that might be difficult for us. Mm-hmm. I agree a thousand percent. Uh, absolutely. And uh, when you say shoulder the shoulder, I'm just reminded of a lot of the conversations uh because trying to break out of that shoulder-to-shoulder approach uh, can be awkward. So tough. And it's really, really difficult for men uh, to, to do things face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can achieve that, you know, the differences are pretty substantial. Uh, because women are known for being a little bit better when it comes to that kind of communication and those kinds mm-hmm. of friendships. Even though there's kind of a, a weird cultural stigma around women's friendships yeah, nowadays, too. There is. Yeah. But in that, I would also say, so try and be the friend, maybe, who, who does reach out and ask the questions. Because I know, personally, I won't say to you what my issues are unless you're p- coming to me and like, is everything okay? Let's talk about it. So I... It's nice to have that person who will reach out and say, you know, let's get real with it. Let's talk about it. What, you know, what is going on in your life and what are the things that you maybe are struggling with? And just having those conversations with people, I think, is, you know, is going to be key, especially this time of year to reach out to some of the people, you know, that maybe don't have the family. You know, Uh, I know my cousin has lost both of her parents, so she feels like we are the only family, which is why I thought she was just texting me in that group chat. (laughs) Everyone has accidentally Sent the wrong chat. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> what I'd probably add to, uh, to all of these in- incredible mm-hmm. comments is uh, sometimes men will rely on their partner mm-hmm. for all of these things. And so, not only are you their partner, you're their best friend, you're their only friend. And that creates like really problematic pressure on the mm-hmm. relationship uh, because we all need friends. We all need uh, to be away from each other and absence makes the heart grow yes. fonder. It's like, it it's, it's real. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So all of these things, they might sound like jokes and they might all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but it, we really do need multiple relationships. And yeah. I'd say if mental health is the variable that we're talking about, being able to have successful friendships with multiple people is mm-hmm. a variable that's mm-hmm. often not discussed, but in there for sure, mm-hmm. uh, because we have to have functioning relationships with a lot of people just to get through every day. And yeah. that's everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and different personalities bring out different sides of ourselves, for right? Sure. Which is like, I mean, we don't have to go down this route, but talking about ethical non-monogamy or polyamory, like a lot of the idea is that it's the love is abundant and it's not conditional and it's not finite. It's not a resource mm-hmm. that runs out. We just have a lot of it. So I like I have I don't know how many best friends and they all, you know, serve different like functions in your life. Our, yeah, our mm-hmm. network. And it's it's a, a patchwork and a quilt and it brings mm-hmm. out different colors in me. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I, I love, love it, it too. I, I also have a, I call them my council. Yes. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> the tribal council. Right. So they're my council. It's like a, a group of they're not all guys, but it's like eight guys and then three women in yeah. my council. And so a lot of them know each other. And so we all have a variety of different relationships. And uh, if something big is happening, it's like, let me adjourn my council. Yeah. Right. And to bring us all together so that we can uh, talk about Vote stuff. And make a decision. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. But 
I mean, I having a big group like that is obviously like key and you know and very important. But I also know that there's not a lot of people who have all of that. So you're definitely not alone. You can always reach out to probably not me, um, but um, <laughs> there are people and there are numbers that we have put down. I find like anytime I do these shows, I do get it like a kind of a an overwhelming flush of emails of people telling me their woes, and I'm like, I can't be this person for everybody though. So I as much as I want to be. Um, for everybody and be there. It's not my, not the You're personal. Not the yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But yes. how wonderful that people feel comfortable, comfortable enough, enough with the work and that I do, we're doing. Yes, I do appreciate uh, that. That they can talk to us about stuff that's going on. And yes. no, we're not therapists yes. and we're not claiming to be. Yes. Um, but we do know a little bit a little bit mm-hmm. um, about functional relationships and dysfunctional relationships, yes. right? We all have both. Yes. Uh, and there's no circle that's perfect. Uh, and we're all really lucky that we have you that lets us talk about this kind of stuff because otherwise it's really not happening as much as it should, even though it's yeah. gotten a little bit better, right? Younger generations now are way better than older generations <laughs> in talking about these things and others, uh, but it's still not great. Well, and let's not, you just said that, and let's not forget that the elderly are suffering with mental um, health issues just the same as young people are, you know, so, and a lot of times they also feel forgotten. And I think on the holidays, a big thing is feeling forgotten and feeling lonely, you know, so let's remember that our elderly folks are still there. And even though that may be uh, a little lackluster and um, what they're able to do. Maybe they can just sit on the couch and tell you the same story they've told you 15 times, but let them tell the story, you know? Um, So I just uh, reach out um, for others and try and be there as much as you can for friends. And if you are alone, please reach out and feel free to um, reach out to the hotlines that we've set up here for you. So um, is there anything else, Dr. Eddie, that we want to really jump into before we go? I have something. Yeah, let's go for it. Please. Um, Can we talk about the history of the stigmatization of sex within the mental health industry? Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, it's a whopper. We can't cover it all of it right now. But, like, briefly running through it, um, things like impotence and erectile dysfunction were initially considered to be, like, character flaws. Or there was a period in which they were, like, a spell out of witchcraft. Um, (laughs) But then we had things like Freud came in, and Freud really fucked shit up. Mm -hmm. Um, Freud had a lot of opinions about, like, BDSM, about... Uh, desires, latent desires, where all of that came from. Uh, and so I think, like, just to go a broad stroke, so we're not taking up too much time. No, go for it. Yeah. There is a lot of uh, this idea that, like, hypersexuality, hyposexuality, any of that is wrong, that mm-hmm. there are wrong ways to have sex. And I don't believe that to be true if everybody is a consenting adult mm-hmm. that is enjoying what's happening. Um, and I think when we look at sex within that box and that framework, it applies additional pressure to our anxiety, our performance anxiety, our feelings about ourselves that Mm -hmm. like we're not doing it right. When studies show that the way to have sex enjoyably, like good sex, is formed through communication, being present and connecting with your partner, however you choose to do that, whether it's romantic or not. 110%. I only wish that words would have come out of my mouth because they were so beautiful and eloquent. Um, (laughs) This country has a long history and a lot of other places, right, based on religion, based on the culture in certain Mm -hmm. areas. And so you had mentioned Kinsey earlier, the Mm -hmm. Kinsey scale. And so Alfred Kinsey... uh, I was a fan. Uh, yes. And so when he did his uh, like seminal work in the 1940s on the sexual behavior of the human male and the human female a few <laughs> years later, it really created quite the stir 
um, because it was implying that women love sex, yes. men enjoy lots of sex, masturbation, all of those things that mm -hmm. weren't the cultural norm, certainly not discussed. And so uh, his work was monumental. Uh, he, and the Kinsey scale itself, just to clarify, is kind of like a... How how heterosexual are you? Yeah. Right. And so the implication is that not everybody's completely anything. A zero right. And or that, a six. And right, a zero or a six, and that doesn't necessarily exist. And right. so everyone is somewhere in the middle there, and that changes over time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that contribution really shifted a lot of our sex talk. Um, maybe not at the time because people were freaked out, uh, but later in life, a lot of sex ed researchers and sexual health researchers definitely go back uh, to some of their work. Uh, and uh, the Kinsey Institute, which is in uh, Indiana, uh, is based, it's for sexual health, and it's really based on a lot of his uh, initial work because that's where he was uh, doing his initial research. And so it's so awesome that you brought that in. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. Kinsey was also, by the by, the hype man for the clit. Yes. Um, Kinsey nice. was one of the people who really popularized the idea that vaginal organ or orgasms, so like penetrative orgasms, are not the be-all, end-all, and they're not top tier. Yes. That most people require clitoral stimulation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there was, who was it? Kegel. Oh, Kegel? Oh. Yeah. yeah, came yeah. back and was like, "No, you're wrong. Actually, <laughs> vaginal orgasms are the best. So people who can't have them just have floppy vaginas, and they need to do Kegels." Oh God! Uh, fun history lesson there about right. that. Which yeah, is not true by the way. Yeah, bar. I was going to say yeah, true. which worked out for him. Uh, yeah, correct. yeah, selling that, um, selling that to everyone. So yeah, interesting. And we've often discussed uh, how it's really very. If since we're talking about uh, what we know. Mm -hmm. and what we don't yeah. know. A lot of young men are learning from pornography in yes. the adult film industry. Mm -hmm. Vaginal orgasms are the thing yeah. on a lot of them, and we've discussed it before in different, uh, in different podcasts, but uh, without clitoral stimulation, sometimes it doesn't work or doesn't happen like at all. Like 70 right. to 80% of the population right. cannot orgasm through right. penetration alone. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I'm part of that population. I am too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Every uh, woman I've met, actually. Yeah, as yeah. a part of that population. Yeah. I also found uh, something you said earlier very interesting when we were talking about like uh, the social stigmas of what you're supposed to be sexually. Mm -hmm. I saw um, a thing the other day and it was interviewing women and what women would look for um, in a sexual partner. And it said, would you look for the player mentality or would you look for you know um, the virginal man and every single woman said the same thing she wants the player mentality because she doesn't want to teach sex to a man she wants a man who already knows what he's doing but in the opposite of that men when asked that same question want a virginal woman who has not had a lot of partners so how but once them how still to be are we <laughs> right yes so how are we finding all of these virginal women <laughs> when all of our men are out here frolicking around with a greatness and that's what we're looking for but we're also looking for this virginal woman who no one has been with yet so I think somehow still playing into our weird pedophilia that I find <laughs> yes so yes. yeah um, I don't think there's anything wrong with not having a lot of sexual experience. Everyone right. has to get it somehow. Yes, Obviously, of we course. all start at ground zero. Yes. But I also think in retaliation to this idea that like we want people who are virginal. Yeah. When you pick a fantasy sports team, do you put a bunch of players on the <laughs> right. team that have never played the yes. sport? You wouldn't <laughs> yes. put me on there. I'd fuck shit up. So right. Like, <laughs> right. I'm going to run the wrong direction for sure. <laughs> yeah. Experience is not like a character deficit. Yes. Or a flaw Correct. yeah 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 so culture dictates very specific things in this yes. country and yeah. in other countries for sure mm -hmm. and more conservative countries certainly have 
different approaches to these very issues. And so I don't know if we're going to be able to change the minds of the conservative few. We are not. Right. (laughs) Uh, And so contributing to the conversation, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. You know, I will say, though, no, I do say that we're not going to change conservative minds, but we are because I used to be a conservative mind. I grew up in conservative world. I grew up um, in the Midwest and I had those mentalities. I had to unlearn so much about my um, own self. I had to learn so much about my mental health, which is how I was able to crawl out of it. And you know how I changed my mental health? Learning my sexuality. (laughs) Getting into pornography and learning who I was as a woman and what I wanted sexually and getting with partners who um, were willing to learn and listen and 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 go on this journey with me made my mental game so much stronger and I became this bad ass bitch um, <laughs> by learning my own sexual pleasures and my own sexual desires and fulfilling those fantasies and working through that with um you know, partners who I can communicate that with. So I think it's so huge and so important. And it really is all tied together, your mental health, your sexual health. Um, and we want you to have happy, healthy lives in both of those departments. So if there's anything we can do, if there's any questions that you have, please feel free to write those in and we would gladly answer them on later episodes. Um, if if I think we're good here, does everyone feel comfortable? Yeah. Are we good? All right. Angeline, I cannot thank you enough. You have been a ray of sunshine and so a uh, plethora of valuable information. And I'm so thankful to have you here. So Thanks, thank you guys. so much. Can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah. Um, so I'm on social media. At uh, Angeline Miranda is my personal page where I do a little bit more of the art stuff. And then at on Instagram, AP Sex Education. So like advanced placement, sex education is where I do a a lot more talking about like sex and connection mm-hmm. and then we're on tiktok at ap segs s-e-g-g-s ed ed because uh tiktok is sauron and the eye is always watching and we're gonna add those on the next episode as well awesome. so everyone Thank can you. find those because i didn't know that until today so <laughs> like i said we're we're new to this yeah. you and i so we're gonna learn a lot more so thank you so much thank you uh dr eddie thank you again for um all of your hard work and uh the research that you do for each and every episode so thankful to you so all right guys that is it for this week and until next time adios 